over the last month or so, we have been working through the Apostles' Creed, and we've uh, been basically just looking at the basic tenets of Christianity. And we've been doing it really for, for two reasons. First, it's important to see what ties us to other Christians, right? There's all kinds of, of different denominations. There's been different splits and schism throughout the years in the church. And it's important we say, you know what? There are all kinds of differences, but there are, are a lot of similarities. There are things that we can say, this is what we believe. This is what Christians believe. This is the basics of who we are and what it means to follow Jesus. And second, as we familiarize ourselves with historic creeds and historic confessions, we begin to develop language for what we ourselves believe. So in a lot of uh, uh, membership classes or catechism classes for kids, you will actually write your own creed or confession at the end of it. And you do that by, by kind of looking at some of the historic ones and saying, oh, this is what I believe. This is where I stand. And so we're talking through the Apostles' Creed for those two things, to connect us to other Christians and to help to develop our own language for what we believe. The, the first part of the creed, really the first three quarters of it or, of, or so, focused on, on the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The last part, where we'll be today and, and next week, moves toward how that belief shapes us, meaning what we do with it, what God has to do with humankind and how we respond to the triune God. So as we, we dive in this morning, I'm going to invite us to recite the Apostles' Creed together. So join with me, and, and maybe by the end of our six-week series, you'll have it memorized. How many of you already have? You don't have to really raise your hand. All right, here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So last Sunday, faith unpacked the role of the Spirit and... Um, when we mapped out the sermon series, I should have put two and two together and say, you know what? We could have done that on Pentecost. Today's Pentecost, right? Today's Pentecost. We could have done that on Pentecost. And Faith, actually, it's not on her at all. It's on me. She came into my office this week and she said, you know, it's really difficult to talk about the Holy Spirit without talking about the church. And it is. Because where we often see the Holy Spirit move is through the people of the church. It's through, through us. As followers of Christ, as we collectively live and function and kind of go throughout our day, the Spirit is evident to the people who are around us. So that first Pentecost Sunday that we heard about this morning, right, with, with the children and with all of you who I'm going to be tapping on to preach, 
Margaret, you're going to be preaching soon. But with all of you that did a, one, a wonderful job explaining that first Pentecost, that, that, that first Pentecost Sunday was something else. Crowds were in Jerusalem. They were gathered for a big party. It was a festival, a celebration, uh, remembering and commemorating the, the time that Moses received the law. And, and they're all there together. And something like a violent storm arrives. And when I think of Pentecost, I, two, two images kind of get stuck in my mind. One is when I was camping in Joshua Tree years ago, and we were in a super small tent. There weren't any other people camping around us, and the wind picked up around us, and it was terrifying. Have any of you been in a windstorm like that, where you've just kind of been out, and it's just been, been terrifying? And the second is from an early morning prayer gathering in Malawi when we were there. We, we were asked to share prayer requests with one another out loud. And, and I kind of expected to share prayer requests like we do when we're in small groups sometime where you, you kind of all talk around, you share your prayer requests, and you, somebody leads the prayer and someone prays for one person and there's quiet. Someone else prays for another person. There's a space. But no, we opened the prayer and then everybody just started praying out loud at once, lifting up the prayer requests that were shared all at once in a whole bunch of different languages. And so when I think of Pentecost, I, I can't help but, but hear that early morning in Malawi and, and remember the wind swirling around in the desert in Joshua Tree and saying, oh, that's, that's probably something like what it was like for those who were there. The writers of the Apostles' Creed They follow belief in the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit with the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. And they do it because they're so closely connected. To put it more directly, the Spirit is what enables us to live as the church, to love God and to love our neighbors. So how many of you have... When, you, when you've read the Apostles' Creed or recited the Apostles' Creed in, in, in the past, have gotten to that line, Holy Catholic Church, and said, huh? What about the communion of saints? Huh? We are in a Presbyterian church, after all. When we say that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, we're making two important claims. The church is holy, which means set apart. Not because... Our specific version of the church is perfect, not because we have it all figured out, but it is set apart because it's the group of people collectively that God has chosen to partner with to make God's self known in the world. It's holy because the church has a purpose to partner with God And making God's love and grace and peace known in the world to work toward those things. And the church is Catholic, not capital C Catholic, as in the Roman Catholic Church, which is probably where most of us got stuck as kids. The word Catholic best translates to according to the whole. According to the whole. So we're, we're saying that we believe that the body of Christ is comprised of, of different denominations, actually. Different denominations, different theological claims that hold true to the belief in the triune God, but that there's a lot of room within that, and we believe together we make up the holy Catholic or holy, some would say universal, some would say holy on the whole 
church, those who believe in the triune God. We also affirm that we believe in the community or the communion of saints. So the, the Latin phrase that translates here best to the sharing of the saints. It's the picture that we see from what Faith read earlier out of Acts 2, at the end of Acts 2, where, where everybody, all of the Christians are sharing what they have to make sure that other people in their community are taken care of. The communion, the sharing of the saints. And when we make that claim, we're affirming really three beliefs about the church. First, the, the church is the fellowship of believers in all times and in all places. Uh, Alistair McGrath, he, he once put it this way. The, the church is not a static building. The church is not a static building, but a, a, a pilgrim people who are constantly moving on in faith and obedience. It includes those who have gone ahead of us and those who will follow. It's bigger than WPC. It, it's, it's bigger than our denomination. It's bigger than our, our, our neighboring churches here in the Conejo Valley. It is bigger than that. And it's bigger than what we see and experience in the church today. We're in fellowship or communion with those who came before us and those who will come in the future. Secondly, the, the community of saints is about our readiness to share with those who are in need. Again, getting back to that Acts passage. The needs of those who are around us are just as important or even more so, more important than our own. So we, we take offerings like the one that we're going to take later today that's a Peace USA offering for uh, the Pentecost offering. We have four of them every year that, that goes to help youth who are in need. And it's because we as a denomination and we as a church are saying, you know what, there are needs that go beyond our own needs. And so we are participating in taking care of those needs. And lastly, it includes sharing in holy things. Scripture doesn't belong to one particular church. Communion. What, what, what do we say when we gather for communion? We say, this isn't my table. This isn't Pastor Daryl's table. This isn't Westminster's table. This isn't the PCUSA's table. Whose table is it? Those of you paying attention. The Lord's table. We say, this is the Lord's table. All who come are invited by the Lord. It is the Lord's table. So, so scripture doesn't belong to one particular church. Communion doesn't belong to one particular church. It belongs to Jesus. Worship, baptism, prayer, the intent of all of our, all of the ways that we celebrate and worship is to point us toward Jesus. So in these, these few words, we believe in the Holy Catholic Church and we believe in the community of saints. There is an overarching theme of the affirmation that as followers of, of Jesus, the church, we exist as ambassadors of Christ, called to love God and called to love neighbor in all that we do. The church has always been and always will be a community with one goal. Paul calls it the bride of Christ, called to love God and love others. Everything else, everything else is secondary. 
So it's important that we remember that everything we affirm in the Apostles' Creed, that it comes from Scripture, right? The, the, the people who got together and wrote this creed, they were looking at the Bible and they're saying, okay, how can we, how can we summarize this to talk about what we ourselves believe? And, and that's true of a lot of the language that we see in the Apostles' Creed. So, so Paul, he often addresses his letters to the saints, right? To the saints that live in one community. The, the saints in Ephesus. The saints in Galatia. This morning we're looking at selections of of two of his letters, some of what he wrote to the saints in Philippi and the saints in Corinth, or the community in Corinth and the community in Philippi. Now Philippi, it it had this fascinating history. About a hundred years before Paul first visited, it was the location of one of the most gruesome battles of the Roman Civil War. When the war finished, the generals on the winning side, they weren't sure what they were supposed to do with all of the people that they had just conquered and with all of the soldiers who were in northern Greece. They didn't have jobs for them. They didn't have places for them to move. So they made Philippi a Roman colony, and they gave the soldiers the land. The soldiers who settled there, they were, they were proud of their heritage, they were from Rome. They represented Rome. They celebrated Roman holidays. They, they celebrated Roman festivals. They ate Roman food. They did everything they could to bring their country to the place that they lived, including placing their ruler on a pedestal. In the letter, Paul addresses the reality that, that sometimes following Christ is in direct conflict with the Roman way of life. And among those direct conflicts was the worship of Caesar, their ruler. He writes this, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Now today, when we we think of this first line and what, what Paul writes here, in verse 20, of course, we, we think, yeah, that makes sense. Eventually, our citizenship will be in heaven. But right now, we're citizens of the place that we live. We, we're Americans, most of us. We live in Southern California. We, we're from the Conejo Valley. That's where our citizenship is found. But eventually... Eventually, we'll be citizens in heaven. Yeah, we get that. But that's not what Paul meant. That's not what Paul meant at all. The Roman government didn't want the citizens who lived in Philippi to actually return to Rome. They didn't want them to because there wasn't space for them. There wasn't space for them. There weren't, there weren't jobs for them. So, so they did everything they could to help them feel comfortable in their distant land. And Paul says... Not only is Romans' culture sometimes in conflict with what we're invited to live as as Christians, but you're doing a disservice to God's kingdom by continually spreading Roman culture. Instead, you're supposed to bring the way of God's kingdom where your citizenship lies. You're supposed to bring that to the place where you live. That's what it means to be an ambassador, to have your citizenship in heaven today. 
So if we want to take Paul's words seriously, it starts with reflecting on how our citizenship today in God's kingdom impacts the way that we live. And he, he echoes that sentiment in, in 2 Corinthians. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my Savior I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now is the time. We are Christ's ambassadors as, as if it is as if as God is making his appeal to the rest of the world through us. Through us. Think about that for a moment. God wanting to make God's appeal to the rest of the world through us by the power of the Spirit. It's a high calling. But it's the entire purpose for the church, it's why we exist. We're called to make people aware of God's love, to share about what Jesus did for the entire world, about God's offer of reconciliation. That's what Paul is writing here to the church in Corinth. Here at at WPC, we talk a lot about being a community that invites all people to follow Jesus on a journey of faith, friendship, and service. It's our mission statement, but it's not intended just to be kind of a, a token. Yeah, put it on the, put it on the wall, make it happy. Yay. That's not what it's intended to be. It's intended to guide the way that we function, both here in the church and then as members of this church or members of this community outside when we're in our day-to-day lives. Right before Paul's plea about being an ambassador, he writes that with Christ comes a new way of functioning. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. We live in a new way. In Christ, the old things are gone That's the good news of the gospel. And that good news of the gospel is supposed to shape all that we do, the way that we live. Paul warns the Corinthians that even though they claim to follow Jesus, that they got to be careful not to slide back into those old patterns. And it's a warning that we should receive as well. I'll never forget the time when Haley and I were invited to celebrate the Zambian Independence Day in Malawi. So, so we had a friend in our church who was the ambassador from Zambia to Malawi, representing Zambians' needs while, while in Malawi. And we were invited to go to the, the embassy for a ceremony in the morning and then to this, this massive house for, for a meal where I ate the only thing I ever ate in Africa that I'm not sure what it was. Um, and, and we were invited, and it was the, the coolest experience. Zambia and Malawi, they're they're neighboring countries. So there's some similarities. But there's differences as well. Distinctly Zambian food. Distinctly Zambian clothes. Distinctly Zambian music. 
There's some similarities, but there's, there's differences too. The ambassador had one job. One job. To represent the interests of his own country in a foreign place. To be good at his job, he had to build relationships with people that he didn't necessarily see eye to eye with. People who didn't necessarily share his interests. He had to be present in everyday Malawian life. And he had to learn to be respectful of the Malawian culture where he was living. If he couldn't do those things, Malawian officials, they wouldn't listen. They, they wouldn't pay attention to the, the needs that he was representing from Zambia. When we affirm our belief in the Holy Catholic Church and in the communion of saints, we're claiming to live as Christ's ambassadors representing Christ in the world today. Which means we need to spend time getting to know the culture around us. Which means we need to spend time out in our neighborhoods, outside of the walls of this church. We need to do those things representing Jesus where we go. For the first 300 years or so of the church's existence, between the time Paul wrote his letters and when the Apostles' Creed formed, followers of Jesus took their role as ambassadors very seriously. Church wasn't just something you went to. It was something you took with you everywhere you went. Over time, the church moved from being a label given to those who followed Jesus to what many of us think of today. It moved from being a who, ambassadors of Christ, to a what, a place or a building. And as that happened, the church moved from measuring success by how many people were sent out to how many people we could gather in. Most of us have been conditioned to see the church as just one circle in our lives. So we have our church world, and then we have our school world, our Starbucks world, our work world, the different worlds that we're in. There might be some blending of those circles, but if we wanted to, we we could keep them completely separate from one another. About a month ago, I was talking with one of the dads on on my son's baseball team. He has a boy on the team too. And uh, I was hurrying to to leave practice to get to church. And he said, oh, you're a pastor, huh? I said, yep. Like full time? Yep. Like that's what you do? Yep. Yep. Oh, we got to talk. I was on my way to the car, so we didn't talk right then. But, but we have talked quite a bit since then. And those conversations, they haven't been all easy. Not, not at all. This morning, I, I was at a game at 8.30, and I ran from that game here. And everybody on the team was like, where are you going? Where are you going? Oh, I'm going to have to go and ask the, answer the pastor questions when I get back. And it's not just because I'm a pastor. In order to live as ambassadors for Christ in today's world, we all need to be nudged to to blend some of those circles. To to not say, you know what, this is the the part of my life that I'm going to follow Jesus, but this part of my life, ah, you know, I've got to be quiet there. I've got to be quiet there. 
In a lot of ways, we're being pushed to become the sort of church today that Paul envisioned, that Paul wrote to. We're moving back from a a what to a who. We get to be Christ's ambassadors, the church, in every single circle of our lives. And friends, that is a little scary, but it's also really exciting and a lot of fun. It means that everywhere we go, the church is present. So we need to learn to see and believe that, that we are just as much the church tomorrow on Monday, if you're at barbecues or wherever you are, or on Tuesday when you're at work, than you are right now here on Sunday morning. You're the church there, you're the church here. My hope and challenge for us this week is that we would take our belief in this part of the Apostles' Creed seriously. As we claim to believe in the Holy Catholic Church, in the community of saints, may we be ambassadors for reconciliation, sharing the good news of Jesus everywhere I go and everywhere you go. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we long to be the people you have called us to be. To love you, to love others in every way we can, in every circle that we find ourselves. God, we ask that you'd give us the courage to be your ambassador. We pray these things in your name. Amen.